We've got blood, we've got destroyers, so you know what that means. Welcome to another exciting episode of Blood and Destroyers, an all-elite wrestling podcast brought to you by RPGera.com. I, of course, am your host, Brian, and joining me on the show today, I have a trio. It's Jade Cargill and the Sevies. <laughs> this week, they look, they're all in like red, blue, and green. They look like Powerpuff Girls. <laughs> I am I'm definitely not a Powerpuff Girl. Uh, yeah, thanks for that, Brian. Uh, this week, you are the tribal chief. You are head of the table, and you've got some cronies with you. You are Roman Bryans, your tag team. It loads. The Brusos! <laughs> the Brusos. <laughs> Bruso? That's amazing, dude. And you actually left Roman's hair. For once. I did. For once, you made it look better. I'm impressed. Should have been the RPG, the RPG era line instead of the bloodline. Yeah, I can I can think of a witty one to put in there, to be honest. So. The Sev line. <laughs> the Brusos might be one of the most clever things you've done. That's might a, be. That's, that's impressive. It's definitely the most clever thing I've done today, but yeah. <laughs> I'm not quite sure. <laughs> I don't know. It's already uh, it's already eight thirty over there. Your cleverness might be done for the day. So yeah, yeah. <laughs> Special shout out to Acom's Laser for the excellent intro theme to the podcast. Go check them out wherever you can find music and people, including YouTube, Spotify, SoundCloud, Bandcamp, Facebook, Instagram, and Twitter. You won't be disappointed. Please take a moment and do us a favor if you'd be so kind. Head on over to Apple Podcasts or whichever app you've chosen to listen to us on and drop us a quick rating and a review. It really does help out in terms of visibility so that this show continues to grow. And remember, we are on Patreon now as well. Patreon.com forward slash RPG era. Check out our tiers, see what we're doing, and if you feel inclined, toss us a couple bucks each month. If not, continuing to listen to the episodes as they upload each week works wonders as well. And of course, special shout out to current executive producers, Jexax and Zenku. Thank you both so much. Sev, I don't think we have anything to talk about this week. I don't really think we had any major news happening outside of, you know, well, there was some stuff that I plan on mentioning, but we'll be mentioning it like in the process of talking about some of the things as we run down Dynamite and Rampage, but I don't think we had anything that I feel needs discussed outside of our normal discussion that we normally have every week. I didn't see anything, did you? No, I don't believe a, a whole lot went on, to be honest. Um, we, can, we can jump right in if you're ready. Let's do it, man. Let's get right into things. Since we talked so much last week, we had such a long show, but it was a really good show that was that came out pretty well. Um, let's jump right into Elevation and Dark, our recap for those last week. We'll kick things off with Elevation, as we usually do. Going back to Monday, May 9th, we had five matches. It was a relatively light Elevation we had Evil Uno, Alex Reynolds, Alan Angels, and Ten from the Dark Order defeating Josh Fuller, Ryan Mooney, Brandon Scott, and Diego. We had Abaddon defeating Emmy Sakura. Sonny Kiss defeated Peter Avalon. John Silver defeated Tony Deppin from Ring of Honor, which was kind of mm-hmm. cool. And in the main event, Keith Lee and Swerve Strickland defeated QT Marshall and Nick Camarado. So, Brian, this is the first time this is going to be officially announced. Um, my QTE segment, this quick time event. Do you know how long <laughs> it took Swerve and uh, Keith Lee to beat QT Marshall? I don't, but I'm going to find out right now, actually. 
we're gonna we're gonna figure it out because because we are gonna be doing this uh, this quick time event anytime QT Marshall is featured on a show. Let's see here. Match began at oh that's May second. That's the wrong elevation. Hang on. <laughs> Where is the right elevation? Here it is from five days ago. I went back too far. <laughs> So the match began at about the 32 and a half minute mark and the match ended at the 39 minute mark. So it was eight, seven and a half to eight minutes. Okay. I believe uh, the last time we saw Hook, they said he hasn't had a match over five minutes. So I'm just going to go with anything over five minutes is a, is a loss. Hook versus QT Marshall. That's what we're basing it off of, right? Yeah. So that was on the revolution buy-in. And that match we are going to find out now oh, no, was... If it's like seven or eight minutes, it's going to shatter my illusion and my joke, isn't it? No, we're going to figure out exactly how long that match was right now, as soon as I can find it on the buy-in. It was quick, so I've already skipped over it once trying to find it, so I know it wasn't that long. <laughs> I was just scrolling through it. Okay, so the match began at the 30 and a half second mark. And the match ended at the 30... It was five minutes exactly. Yeah. Yep, so five minutes. So you got to beat the Serena Deep's five-minute challenge. You've got to beat QT in five minutes. You got to you, you gotta beat that QTE in five minutes. Shenmue keeps popping up and you keep <laughs> pushing A over and over and over again. Sometimes uh, sometimes the QTE fails, but at least not yet. I don't think the QTEs failed. So... Mm-hmm. Hook is better than uh, Swerve and Keith Lee, according to the QTE. And I don't think QT was on Dark either. As we go to Tuesday, May 10th, there was 3, 6, 9, 11 matches from Dark this past Tuesday. It was a pretty stacked Dark. I didn't watch this one either. Um, I've been not paying as much attention to Elevation and Dark as I would want to. I used to try to catch them and leave them on in the background every week, but I haven't been doing that for the past few weeks. Jay Lethal defeated Jake something from Impact, which was cool. Alex Reynolds defeated Jake Manning. The Gun Club defeated Fly Death, which is the team of Warren J and Zach Zilla. Sean Dean defeated Serpentico. Lee Johnson and Brock Anderson defeated the Brick City Boys, which is the team of Julio Cruz and Victor Chase. Abaddon defeated Vicky Dreamboat. Not Ricky Steamboat, Vicky Dreamboat. Jorah Joel defeated Trip Jordy. Kiara Hogan defeated Sky Blue. Aaron Solo and Nick Camarado defeated Kevin Knight and the DKC, the Donkey Kong Country. Nice. <laughs> Rohit Raju defeated Adam Priest. And in the main event, Evil Uno and Ten defeated Cesar Bononi and Tiger Ruas. I feel like Ten has replaced Stu Grayson as Evil Uno's tag team partner. I think that sounds about right, yeah. It's nice to see uh, Rohit Raju getting some wins. And then, do you say Abaddon won on elevation as well? She did, yeah. Back to back. Yeah. So, I was a little shocked that that didn't mean she appeared on Dynamite or Rampage, because usually when someone like that wins both shows, that's because they're going to be on the main show. <laughs> yeah, so I wouldn't be surprised if she's, like, she's next in line for Jade. Slowly building up those wins, right? So that way they can yeah. put her into the top, and then, like you said, beating the, uh, beating the mini-bosses on their yeah, way up yeah. to the top. <laughs> The low-level grinding. Doing some low-level grinding on Elevation and Dark. Get some wins to get in the top five. I wonder who is in the top. We haven't looked at that in a long time. Who is in the top five as of last week? 
Let's take a look. This is the rankings as of May 11th, so last Wednesday. Um, for the men, CM Punk is ranked number one. Frankie Kazarian ranked number two. Mox was ranked number three. Jay Lethal was ranked number four. And Adam Cole's ranked number five. For the women, Serena Deeb is ranked number one. Nyla Rose, number two. Anna Jay, number three. Jamie Hayter, number four. And Red Velvet, number five. And then for the tag teams, FTR is ranked number one. Hobbs and Starks are number two. The Gun Club is number three. Silver and Reynolds are number four. And Danielson and Mox are number five. Okay. Those women's rankings are a bit rubbish, to be honest. I don't see any of them, you see any of them being um, threats, apart from D. But... It's cool to see J- uh, Jamie Hayter and Anna Jay in the top five. Like, I, appreci- I appreciate that, but I think they're, especially Anna Jay, we haven't seen her in a significant yeah, exactly. amount of time. Which is kind of sad. We haven't seen her in a while. But um, that was as of last Wednesday. Obviously, they'll change again this Wednesday. They do change every Wednesday. And I imagine um, there will be a few shifts around. Because I feel like after we start discussing what happened on um, Dynamite, which we're about to do, I feel like we're going to get some sort of multi-man tag match at Double or Nothing. Yeah, I think that's pretty obvious at this point. So, yeah, let's jump into it. Let's get to Dynamite, which was taking place from Long Island this week. Uh, You know, every time we're in Long Island, of course, they have the hometown heroes there. So we had John Silver on the show. We had Tony Nese on the show. And, of course, we had MJF on the show. You and I ranked eight things for Dynamite this past week. We ranked six things for Rampage. Um, So we do have a decent amount of stuff to go over here. Did... I go first last week, or did you go first for Dynamite? Do we remember? Because I didn't check before we sat down. So I remember last week that I went with uh, the thing I hated the most, which was the Jeff Hardy match. So I, I did the Okay, so you, you went first. Okay, you went first. So I will go first this week then, starting with my number eight. And my number one, two, and three were pretty easy for me to figure out. Four, five, six, seven, and eight. I wasn't sure where I wanted to go. Um, And that's not to say that I thought this was an amazing dynamite. It was an okay dynamite. It It was average. But the bottom half of everything, I just wasn't sure what I enjoyed more than the others. So I sat down, I thought about it, and my number eight this week is CM Punk and John Silver. Okay, yeah, fair enough. Um, I sat that at number five. Okay, so you had it in the bottom half as well. Um, So again, we had a hometown hero here, John Silver, did get a nice pop from the crowd, which was nice to hear. Um, CM Punk, when he came out, he had a, a New York Islanders hockey jersey on. And I actually thought that would have got him some sort of like pop from the crowd because the Islanders are based on Long Island. They actually play in the same arena that Dynamite was emanating out of, the UBS arena. But let me tell you, man, CM Punk is a heel in Long Island, and it's so fucking funny to hear. (laughs) Yeah, so I didn't understand why. Are you able to explain why Punk's a, a heel in Long Island? Because I think of his program with MJF previously. That has to be it. That has to be it, right? Like, the last time they were in Long Island, he was was far into that feud with MJF. And I feel like that crowd 
just like MJF, the crowd is almost relishing off the fact that they are heels too in Long Island. Yeah. Outside of people from Long Island. So that's my biggest guess. Um, but I, I can't say that I'm correct on that. However, I did enjoy the, you know, the, the interaction from the crowd for both of these guys. Obviously, Silver was was more over than Punk here. Mm-hmm. Um, but the match was pretty much just run of the mill. Like, there wasn't anything crazy. There was a few slow parts that I wasn't super into. Um, it was just an okay match. There was a few spot, well, one spot particular where Silver, like, came back and, you know, went into those, like, quick succession of kicks. And every time he does that, I'm always super impressed because he's really fast, man. And and you don't expect that. And especially when you see him in there with Alex Reynolds, some of the combos, and I say that every time we talk about them wrestling in a tag match, their combo work is just so well done. But Punk was definitely playing up the heel aspect of what the crowd was giving him and after this match because you know of course punk's not going to lose this match so he's clearly getting a title match at the pay-per-view why would they have him lose here they had adam page come down and there was like a a bit of a back and forth between the two of them punk was on the mic this week instead of page and it almost felt like punk was playing the heel role this week instead of adam page so I feel like we're not sure who's the heel, who's the face. Are they both face? Are they both gray area going into this title match at paper at the pay-per-view? I was a little confused by that. <laughs> See, I think we're, yeah, it's like building both sides. I, know, I noticed when, um, as Punk was coming down to the ring, because uh, Hangman was on commentary, he said something, he uh, watching, watching Punk get booed, like, warms his cold heart. So he right. was definitely like alluding alluding to being a bad guy. And then in the ring afterwards when they did the promo, um, Punk made comments about it being just business. Like it's not personal, it's just business. And I could see like I thought I could see like a glint in Hangman's eye. So I think that's I think we're building to Hangman turning and like Hangman walking away with the title by uh by screwing Punk out of it and it's just gonna be business. So um I quite like this little this little tease they gave us. I did enjoy Punk hitting the buckshot lariat to get the win. See, I didn't. I thought it was the worst buckshot lariat. Oh, it was a terrible buckshot lariat. Yes, it was terrible, but I liked the aspect of him using Adam Page's move to beat John Silver, especially because, you know, Silver, Reynolds, and and Adam Page had such a close relationship there for a bit in storylines. Yeah, I just wish on commentary they called it like a buck shit lariat because it was fucking terrible. The buck shit lariat. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> that would have been amazing. I'm surprised they didn't think of that. That would have been funny. So jumping to number one, playing off uh, Punk's previous feed. We're going with that MJF segment, the contract signing with Wardlow. That is also this. my number one, Sev. <laughs> Man, this was a thing of beauty. Like, that was um, also my number one. Um, Was it MJF's pop? That that dark side of the ring promo that he he quote unquote paid all the bad guys in AEW to make for him like it was obviously Jericho reading it out and then within like thirty seconds was like I'm not reading this out he's a douche and then he was like wait how much is he paying me it's exactly like, oh, okay they can't exactly read it was funny especially because. Jericho and MJF had such a heated feud there for a bit. It was it was entertaining. 
Right, so yeah, yeah, the dark side of the ring to open it up. Obviously, MJF. How about how, how about the cameo from Barry Horowitz? We did, yeah, we got that. And what did they what did they call him on the on the banner? Like uh, famous famous Jewish wrestler or something like yeah, that. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> but yeah, this 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 whole segment was just. But MJF had people eating out of the palm of his hands, and I, I was loving it. I was too, man. He's so over. Um, I loved when Wardlow came out. They put up on the big screens this flashing boo Wardlow that was go back. They did, yeah. <laughs> it was amazing. And Wardlow was, at, of course he was going to be, right? Absolutely hated in Long Island. No, really? There was a few people chanting for him still, but most people were there backing up MJF, who they had this table set up in the ring, this long-ass table. There was a bunch of balloons, a bunch of security guards, and it was it was just so entertaining. And MJF basically... You know, being MJF on the mic, even mentioning how Tony Khan doesn't want him to talk about 2024, which is when his contract expires on January 1st, 2024. Mm -hmm. One of the things I've been hearing this past week is how MJF is really frustrated in AEW and is honestly considering not re-signing. See, what I've seen, uh, what I've seen online today is that Tony Khan is willing to give him a pay rise. But the condition is that MJF signs for an extended amount of time, and um, apparently MJF doesn't want that. He wants he wants more money now and still the ability to walk away in twenty twenty four if he should choose to. Which, but I don't think that's I don't think that's fair. Like, no, me neither. Because you signed a contract for X amount of time for X amount of money. That contract should be honored, right? Unless yeah. you work something out with your boss. And the only way that you would potentially get a significant increase would be to extend that contract. Yeah. So I think Tony Khan is actually in the right when it comes to that, if that's true. Yeah, it's all it's all speculation. It's all hearsay. Um, I'm I'm personally under the belief that yeah, MJF might want more money, but if you see you see how the people are eating out of the palm of his hands, he's featured on TV heavily all the time. Like, surely he cannot, surely he wants that. Surely that's what he wants to be doing. I was going to say, like, why, why is, is, like, why do you think he's so frustrated? Because he's always in a major storyline. He's always featured on TV. Is it because he hasn't been given an opportunity as, as a champion yet, do you think? I think, well, he he had that, uh, was it, make MJF the, the MJF president thing when he went against Moxley. So he's had... He's had championship sort of. He's had opportunities, views. yes. Yeah, but we've only had what four or five world champions so far, so it's not as if the we get through the queue quickly. Like you get in the queue and you you wait your turn. Um, right, he's guaranteed like to be else. a world champion in the future. Like there's yeah, no ifs yeah. ands or buts about that. He is guaranteed a world title run in the future. He's just got to stick it out because they're clearly going through the list and going through what makes the most sense. Like if Punk were to win at Double or Nothing, MJF would be a good opponent for Punk because they could restart that feud, which we know is not over. Mm-hmm. Oh, definitely. And I think, yeah, I think um, MJF's next in line, really, unless unless Kenny comes back and Kenny sits at the top, which I'm not sure what he's going to do. Um, but yeah, realistically, the next the next highest talent on the card after after Hangman, after Punk and Moxley and Danielson is MJF. Exactly, exactly, exactly. 
So the point of this segment was to reveal the conditions for the upcoming match between MJF and Wardlow at Double or Nothing. And those conditions are kind of similar to the conditions that Cody Rhodes had to go through to get a match with MJF. So Wardlow has to go through 10 lashings with a leather strap this coming up week on Dynamite. He has to defeat Sean Spears in a steel cage with MJF as the special guest referee, which we know that's going to happen. Yeah, yeah. I like, I like the, uh, oh, you're in a cage match and Wardlow looks at Spears and he's like, why the, why the fuck would you get You're dead, basically. Like- <laughs> he's like, you're dead, <laughs> <Yeah>. basically. <laughs> he needs to start laughing. Um, and that led us to Wardlow, you know, attempting to sign the contract with his handcuffs on <laughs> and suckering them into taking the handcuffs off, which we then got smart Mark Sterling to go through that table at the end of this segment. Yeah. So, so all in all, it was a really well put together segment. Like it was, there were, I wouldn't say the twists and turns, but there were, there were highs and there were highs and there were, there were more highs and it just, yeah, the segment just got better and better as it went on. I agree. I agree. Um, and I also appreciated the fact that they brought back the the perfect 10 stuff for Sean Spears. Yeah. When he's like, how many lashings is he going to get, Spears? And he does the whole thing with his hand and he goes, 10. <laughs> <laughs> I did enjoy the shit out of that as well. I thought that was entertaining. Yeah, it was great. Yeah, and this was like right smack in the middle of Dynamite. So it was a good, uh, a good halfway point for the show. Mm-hmm. Definitely, definitely. My number seven, going back to the bottom of the list, was the Jericho Appreciation Society victory speech. Where'd you have this at? Oh dear, Brian. I had this at number two. Did you really? Yeah. So, okay. Since you had this ranked so high, take the helm on this. Why did you enjoy this so much? Tell me. Because I think we've been suckered in for these past few weeks. Like, and it's blatantly obvious, like, the the wrestlers wrestlers the hardcore wrestlers the blackpool combat club and then the sports entertainers it's like and it ties into what i've been saying about the the building the avengers sort of thing it's now looking like wrestlers versus sports entertainers in the same way that it's marvel versus dc and the, okay the dc is the blackpool combat club because they're gritty and they're dark and then marvel is the popcorn like entertainment <laughs> It's just like, it's one of these things that's been like right under our nose. And of course, Eddie Kingston's got ties to John Moxley. He like, does. What? Why? Yeah, it was just one of these things that was like right under under our nose the whole time. And then when it when Moxley's music hit, it all made sense. And like I've been saying, I won the Blackpool Combat Club in a, in a storyline, in a feud. And it's right here. It's been here all along. Um, so yeah, I See, thought it was- I, I, I agree with that aspect and, and look at, looking at it from that angle, I could potentially agree with you. I just felt like something was off about this segment. I wasn't sure. I, I felt a bit of disconnect with it. And I did appreciate how it started with uh, with Daddy Magic um, kind of being like, you want to know what turns me on? You want to know what makes Daddy Magic's nipples hard? I enjoyed the fuck out of that. I thought that was really amazing. <laughs> But the rest of it, I mean, I appreciated the Blackpool Combat Club coming down and being the kind of quote unquote backup for Kingston, Santana and Ortiz, even though they didn't appear until after the BCC were already pretty much out there and, you know, standing their ground. 
Um, but I'm curious where this is going to lead to, basically, because now there's six of them, but only five of the Jericho Appreciation Society. And seven, if you count Regal. Yeah, so I think it has been confirmed that Yuta won't be available during Double or Nothing. So with that, and then it does make 5v5. Because of the the G1 Climax or whatever that yeah, we already yeah. talked about. Or the, the Super Junior thing, whatever they're doing next. We already talked about that last week where he was potentially going to be going away for a bit to, to do that. So I guess, yeah, I guess that would leave us five. Um, I will tell you that I'm way more anticipating the like battle between Regal and Jericho on the mic this Wednesday night on Dynamite. Yeah, and Regal's gonna get him back for pissing in his tea. He actually did do that, didn't he? Yeah, yeah, yeah. So long, yeah, WWE feud where uh, Jericho pissed in Regal's tea. Um, <laughs> so yeah, he's getting him back for that. But yeah, no, I think this might be our uh, double or nothing. You know, we usually get like a cinematic match or something. Like maybe this is where we get our blood and guts. Maybe this is where we get some kind of murder heist brawl or something. Um, yeah. I think, that's, I think that's what we're getting out of this. I like when Jericho was on the mic and he said that he was born right down the road in whatever city. But he was like, I moved away pretty quickly because this place sucks. <laughs> and then he's like, and they start booing him. He's like, come on, you guys know this place sucks. <laughs> <laughs> It was very good. I'm not. I'm not sure if I'm keen on the um, I'll throw a fireball in your face. I think the joke worked once. I don't think it works as a new catchphrase. Um, right. Yeah. Pretty good. I enjoyed it. I wasn't a huge fan of it. I think that might be the first time we've ever had such a high difference between our rankings. Fair. Yeah. I, I can't recall off the top of my head any others that have been that far away. Yeah. So. We're usually somewhat close. Cool. So that that leads me into my number three. I feel it like I'm, I'm doubling up. Um, it was double or nothing. Um, <laughs> so uh, number three on my list is uh, Ricky Starks versus Jungle Boy. That's also my number three. Nice. Uh, yeah, miles away and then right there again together. So I wonder if our one, three, five, and seven. Well, no, it can't be because my number seven was a Jericho Appreciation Society. I wonder if our number five will be the same. <laughs> my, my number five was uh, Punk and Silver, so my number five's gone already. Oh damn! Oh well, that's <laughs> the last one we're gonna have together then. Maybe who knows? Who yeah. knows? Um. So yeah, I, I enjoyed this match because it was two younger talents with Ricky Starks and Jungle Boy. Um, it was a very quick paced match. Wasn't it was quick paced, right? It was fairly quick. Well, I don't want to say fairly quick because they did get a picture in picture, right? And it did have a decent amount of time to it. But the match was very high adrenaline, high paced action, which I appreciated the hell out of. And these two guys, man, they have the entire world in their hands right now. Their future is so bright. Yeah, yeah, exactly. Like they are the future of AEW. It's great to see him there. I also like um, Swerve came down, caused a distraction. We then got Keith Lee came down after that, and then it was a stare off with Keith Lee and Starks and Swerve and Jungle Express, Jurassic Express. Um, <laughs> every time. Um, so does that mean at the pay per view we're going to get another triple threat tag team match? Where I think so. That's what I was alluding to earlier. Yeah. Where there's where the, yeah the main focus on the actual title match is more of the other two teams, not the actual champions themselves. Which makes you think Jurassic Express will walk away with the title still? Yeah, but then I'd rather I'd rather see it go to one of the other two. To be fair, like I wouldn't hate Swerve and Keith Lee just holding the titles. Even I don't think, think so either, and that and that gives you know, like I said, that actually because we've been talking how 
Keith Lee is just kind of like not necessarily lost in the shuffle because he is in a storyline that's pretty high profile, right? It's centering now around these titles. But we were wondering, like, what are they going to do with Keith Lee? And this partnership with Swerve is just working so well. And it was kind of like when Swerve came down because, you know, he was trying to help Jungle Boy because Ricky Starks was, um, you know, doing some dirty tactics. So he came down to try to, like, help out more or less. But it ended up backfiring because the referee as referees generally do when someone comes out, they get distracted and they spend too much time focusing on who's on the outside, which caused the ref to miss Jungle Boy rolling up Starks and theoretically getting the victory. So Jungle Boy should have won the FTW title if Swerve wasn't out there. Yeah, um, just to, just a little sidetrack of your uh, referees getting distracted really easily. You might as well have cats as referees at this point. Like if you if you wave a bit of string in their face, they get distracted, don't they? Like, it's, <laughs> <laughs> like they're pretty useless. Oh, a squirrel. Yeah, yeah, exactly. <laughs> like, oh, there's someone else out here. I'll go talk to them. With it, well, I'm obviously meant to be looking at this match. Um, <laughs> but yeah, I'll just uh, bring to another point. Um, I think Christian's going to turn on Jungle Boy. Like, I it think seems with- like they're heading that way, right? Like Christian, Christian and Jungle Boy have been having some interesting, not necessarily like moments. face-offs, but moments. Yeah, I guess that's the yeah. best way to put that. So I think we're get we're sort of going to get a like stop acting like a loser, stop feeling sorry for yourself, pick yourself up, sort of thing. And it's going to yeah really go into some tension. And I think that's going to culminate with like Jungle Boy and Jurassic Express dropping their titles, which will cause Christian to get frustrated with Jungle Boy. Kind of feel like that's where this is going. That feels like it should be a pay-per-view moment. So that makes me wonder if they might lose at Double or Nothing. And if you remember, Christian actually debuted last year at Double or Nothing. Did he? Yeah, that's fair enough. And then I also did want to bring up, I had a little thought about, I think AEW are better with heel champions than they are with face champions. Like I think Hangman, if Hangman turns at Double or Nothing will be much better as a heel champion. I think Britt, obviously, Britt Baker's a great champion. Serena Deeb would be a great champion. Jade Cargill's a heel. She's a great champion. Like, AEW just seems to do much better with their heel champions than they do with face ones. Yeah, I would agree with that. Omega was a heel champion, right? Like, look how amazing his title run was. Um, The TNT champions have largely been heels, Mm -hmm. so that is interesting. Well, I guess Cody was always a face, but the crowd thought he was a heel. (laughs) Yeah, I think it depends where in the world you're from, if Cody's a heel or a face. Exactly. Um, But yeah, this was an entertaining match. I enjoyed it. Um, Definitely one of the stronger matches on the show. But I did have another match, because this was your top-ranked match, because your number one and two were the other segments. I did have a match ranked a little bit higher than this one, actually. Okay. But um, I did enjoy the hell out of this, and like we talked about, the future is really bright for both of these guys. I, I think they even mentioned it on commentary. Jungle Boy has been putting on some like extra mass right he looks like he's getting bigger Mm -hmm. he doesn't look as puny as he used to especially when AEW first debuted he was small dude he really didn't have much muscle um now he kind of does but i honestly i'm more of a fan of ricky starks i really am oh yeah yeah like the heel heel champion ricky stark he's got it mate yeah they really he really does 
Uh, my number six, we are going to an Owen Hart tournament match. This was a quarterfinal match. My number six was Adam Cole taking on Dax Hardude. Hardude, Hadwood, yeah. Dax okay. Hadwood. <laughs> Where'd you have this at? Number six. Okay, so we agreed. Number six. Look at that. Three for five so far that we agreed on. <laughs> I absolutely loved the fact that Martha Hart was there and they kept cutting to her. I thought that was a really nice touch. Um, do I think this was the best way to open the show? Not necessarily. I think this match, it was okay, but I think there could have been a better opening to the show. Um, good match between the two. Obviously, when we made our predictions last week for the Owen Hart tournament, I did say Dax was going to go over Cole. You picked Cole to go over Dax, so I'm already losing in that regard. Mm -hmm. But, um, yeah, this was a, a decent match. Like, it was okay. They centered around Dax's, like, quote-unquote rib injury. Yeah. Quite a bit during this match. You know, they had him take this weird looking slide into the turn, like the ring post that caused the injury. And then Cole focused a ton on the steps, right? I think he threw Dax into their stairs like three or four times, which was a bit excessive, but it worked, I guess. Um, I love the fact that Adam Cole was riling up the crowd doing the, you know, Shawn Michaels sweet chin music stuff in the corner the because of the feud between Michaels and Bret Hart back in mm -hmm. the day. I thought that was a nice, nice tie into the Hart family stuff and even getting the victory with the sharpshooter. Yeah, I think that was all callbacks on it. Yeah, the the match was definitely um, cold dominated, um, especially after the, the ring post injuring the ribs i did like that it, it did pick up a bit once he tuned up the band he then started to get some we get like a pile driver the panama sunrise into it was a pretty weak alabama slam to be fair and then they did it again and it went into a roll up and then he, they rolled uh, they rolled away from each other and then he got into a pile driver and then yeah the, like the pace of the match picked up pretty quickly then didn't last much longer but it was nice no. to see it go into a second gear yeah definitely i can agree with that and then once the match was over, they cut to Martha Hart, and I'm pretty sure she was just like, meh, okay. Yeah, she was like, ah, it's what it is. <laughs> it was kind of <laughs> funny to see. <laughs> I wonder if she, she was, was pulling for Dax, for Dax because of how much, yeah, I was going to say, she had to have been pulling for Dax, right? Yeah, because yeah. Of, of how big of fans Dax and Cash are of, of the Hart family. Um, and it was also nice to see her there just because of all the bad blood that exists between Dr. Martha Hart and the wrestling industry. And I guess that more specifically is WWE and Vince McMahon, but it was just nice to see her there and nice to, they even showed like backstage stuff of like the kids, which the one of their sons is a spitting image of Owen, dude. Yeah. It's, it's incredible to see. Um, I thought that was a nice touch, and it, it did make me choke up a little bit because I still miss Owen. I really do. That's still one of the most saddest moments, I think, ever in the wrestling industry. Yeah, I was I was definitely young at that point. I remember hearing about it, but I wasn't like I wasn't able to watch wrestling cons on a consistent basis that it was something that was major news to me. Obviously, it was... Aren't it was you older big, than I am? I'm 35. Oh, so you're one year younger than me, so we're not that far off i thought you were 37 i don't know why um whoa yeah i gave you two years there but yes. my rankings. 
So I'm 36. You were so in '99 when that happened at Over the Edge. I was 13, so you were 12. But I guess my mom was a big wrestling fan, and we watched every pay per view. We watched Raw every week together. Um, likely why I was watching week in and week out, and you weren't. Yeah, yeah, we didn't have access to it on um, standard TV. It was it was something you had to like pay a premium for, and then it was still only on at like one a.m. every morning. One a.m. Sky every Sports. Monday. Yeah, yeah. So it's like that's not something a twelve year old's going to do, really, is it? So yeah, I missed out on those bits. Well, it, it's not a bad thing that you missed out on seeing that, first of all, because luckily they didn't show it when it happened back then. But, man, it was still a very tragic moment that, when I think about it, still makes me sad. Like, again, one of the saddest things I think we've ever seen in wrestling. Yeah. Back to you. No, so we're going to liven it back up with Back to Me. Okay, so uh, number four on my list is going to be dun, 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 the Dan Heisen versus uh, Tony Nese. Where did you have this? Five, actually. Okay. So it wasn't wasn't too bad. It was a nice little segment, to be fair. We got a Dan Heisen entrance with some new music. This was more of a segment than a match, absolutely. Yeah, yeah. Um, so I'm pretty sure the match was literally... Well, Five seconds. Yeah, he blindsided uh, Dan Heisen, then gave him his... Is it called a running niece? Or is it it's a running, running niece. No, running niece. Yeah, running yeah. niece. So he gave him that, did the pin, and then he gave him like two more running niece. And then um, Hook came out. I don't know what happened after that. I'm pretty sure they just chased him out of the ring, didn't they? They did, yeah. So Mark Sterling got on the mic and is like, I told you this was going to happen. Like, this is the premier athlete. Tony, you didn't even get a freaking entrance, and this guy does. And you know what I mean? Like, because he was already in the yeah. ring when Dynamite came back from, from the commercial break. And they that's when he was doing the other running nieces, and that brought out Hook, which was the entire point of this segment was to set up Hookhausen officially. And Danhausen, as he's kind of like picking himself up off the mat, was like looking at Hook in in surprise that he was out there. And then Hook kind of like Danhausen extended his hand and Hook shook his hand, which officially put them together. And we found out that on the buy-in for Double or Nothing, it's going to be Hook and Danhausen taking on Tony Nese and Smart Mark Sterling. It is. And they're playing um, the Smart Mark's engine now. But I'm pretty sure we're going to get the uh, the same thing Sammy did a few weeks ago. But, like, he's not actually injured. He's just uh, he's just going to have his neck brace and his crotch on until it suits them to take it off and blindside them again. Right. But there's no way Hook and Danhausen are losing at the buy-in. There's no way. Oh, gosh, no. No. Not a fucking chance. But, yeah, this was, it was good for what it was. Like I said, the match was over in five seconds. I was shocked to see Danhausen get squashed like that. But I wonder if that might be, like, par for the course, right? Because, I mean, I've honestly seen Danhausen wrestle before in Ring of Honor, and he's okay. But with this comedy gimmick he has, like, that didn't hurt him in the least, as we've talked about before. No, no, and especially like he got blindsided, didn't he? he? Wasn't he got he got hit from behind and then hit with the knee? So yeah, I, I, I'm happy with it. And then did you hear on commentary on Rampage? Because obviously Taz is on commentary for Rampage. Taz was even like behind Danhausen a little bit like when they were talking about the buy-in match he's like well I can tell you what's going to happen at the pay-per-view Hook's going to be doing some suplexes and somebody's going to be getting cursed like Taz is now kind of on board with Danhausen because of Hook okay fair fair I did I did I did hear them on the commentary being like oh you can have no guests in your house 
And Taz was like, oh, what do you mean? And then yeah. Yeah, they were like, oh, Dan Housen. He's like, oh, yeah, yeah, Dan Housen, Dan Housen. He's like, he's going to be over for Thanksgiving. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> but honestly, dude, it, it, it feels like that makes Hook a face, right? Because, I mean, he already was, like... I know he's part of Team Taz and is supposed to be a heel. Hobbs and Starks are heels. Taz yeah. is technically a heel, but Hook is a face. Hook is legit a face, and it's so exciting. I almost wonder if if that's okay, right? Like, some of Team Taz are face, some of Team Taz is heel. Let's just put Danhausen in Team Taz at this point. He fits better there than with the best friends. Yeah, yeah, okay. I'm not going to argue with it. We'll see where it goes. We'll see where it goes. We will. I did enjoy it, though. Oh, we need to do Hook of the Week, Sev. It's time. Hook of the Week. So, Hook of the Week. Uh, last week, I went with the Corpus Christi Hooks because I was playing MLB The Show 22, and that was a team that I kept going up against. Luckily, now I've been promoted to AAA, and since then, I'm all the way up to the show now. I'm in, I'm in the majors, so I'm on the Oakland A's. But uh, the hook of the week this week goes to you, Sev. What is our hook of the week? So our hook of the week this week is known as The Hook. And it's a nature reserve in uh, Holm Grove, West Bridgeford, Nottingham. Um, oh. So this, so this is just a little nature reserve. Um, I believe it's got a pond. Um, have you been there? I have not been there. But I did go on to um, some re- – I did have a look at some reviews just to see what it was like. So uh, Linda only had time to explore a small area of the park, and from what she saw, she liked. The locals were friendly <laughs> too. She will be back to explore more soon. Um, Shout out to Linda. <laughs> Peter, a nice and interesting walk, was able to see the buildings on the other side of the river. Though there were lots of apartments. Um, yeah, so there seems to be some good reviews. If you're in the Nottingham area and fancy walking your dogs, try the hook. Are you far from Nottingham? Um, yeah, a couple of hours drive. Isn't that where Sherwood Forest is? It is. Uh, Robin Hood from Nottingham, yeah. Yeah. <laughs> you know, I like a good park, dude. I like parks. Yeah. I enjoy taking my dog for a walk. Um, we used to have, I, I think there's a there's actually a decent park nearby, uh, but I've not taken him there since I moved. But we had a couple really good parks over in the area that I moved from before Jessica and I split. And I just like parks, man. I like parks with water specifically. So it's nice that the hook has yeah, a pond. Yeah, it does. Hook of the week is the hook somewhere the hook in Nottingham. Somewhere in Nottingham. Go check it out. Shout out to Linda and Peter if you're <laughs> listening. They're not listening, I'm sure. But shout out to I'll them. I'd be surprised if, they are. if Linda's listening. <laughs> Um, okay, well, I have my number two and my number four left, so this is going to give away what my number two is, but my number four, another Owen Hart quarterfinal tournament match, was the main event, Jeff Hardy taking on Darby Allen. So I've only got my number seven and my number eight left intact, um, and I don't think it'd be surprised to anybody to learn that number eight on my list is the Jeff Hardy-Darby Allen match. Yeah, I, I was not going to be surprised if you had this rated really low. Um, I actually thought this was a really entertaining match. I thought it was very high paced. Obviously, they announced some at some point during the show that it was going to be uh, anything goes right because mm-hmm. both Darby and Jeff wanted to go crazy. And that's exactly what we got, dude. It was wild. It was chaotic. Um, in, in your words, it was reckless at times. But yeah, yeah. You know what? I was okay with it. And it's amazing to me that Darby can set up eight chairs 
on the outside of the ring, put Jeff Hardy on them, do his own version of a swanton bomb off of like a 50 foot ladder. It was probably like 20 feet, but still that ladder looks <laughs> fucking huge. Um, and land on those chairs, almost on the like top end of the chairs, which would have hurt so yeah, bad. Yeah. But right after he does that is just able to get up and, and act like nothing happened. Like the amount of pain that that dude can put himself through, get up and still go is amazing. Yeah, see, I, I do think that spot was quite reckless. Um, just just because it could have been bad, um, but it wasn't. Uh, but I do think it should have been should have been placed a little later on in the match, in my opinion. Like we got a uh, we got coffin drop to the apron after that, and then we got a swanton bomb onto the steel steps. The steel steps, so, like, yeah. Yeah. So even though they were they were cool spots, they were kind of lesser spots than the spot we've just seen, which was like probably the biggest spot of the night, to be fair. Oh, yeah. Like, that should have been closer to the end of the match. Yeah. Which, yeah. speaking of the end of this match, it came out of nowhere. I wasn't yeah. expecting this match to end when it did. I didn't catch Dynamite Live this week. It's the first week since Dynamite has began that I didn't watch live. I actually went to a concert this past Wednesday night. I went and saw the band Cold at a local venue about 40 minutes away. And I came home and I watched like the first half of Dynamite before I ended up passing out and falling asleep. And then the next day I watched the second half. And because I watched it on like, you know, demand, basically, I, I don't have cable, so I can't record things on my own. So I found a, an upload of it online and it actually happened to be an upload from Fight. So I didn't have to sit through the picture in pictures. I was able to hear the commentary during the commercial breaks, which was nice. nice yeah. Um, I didn't see how much time was left in the match. I didn't see how much time was left on the video. So when that match ended with Jeff Hardy, like rolling Darby up in just like a standard wrestling move, which is what they talked about on commentary, right? Like they talked about how this match threw caution to the wind. Basically everything was wild and crazy. And Jeff Hardy won with a basic wrestling move. I thought that was kind of cool. He, He did win with a crucifix pin. Yeah. But it did Correct. come at it did come at the expense of uh, no selling Darby Allen's coffin drop, which uh, I'm, I'm all right with. To be fair, like I don't think that move looks particularly um, deadly. Um, he's put more people away with that move than he should have done. Um, but yeah, it was no sold by Jeff Hardy. Yeah, and I think you and I did. You take Jeff to go over Darby? Did you take Darby to go over Jeff last week? I think I took Jeff to go over Darby. Oh, yeah, nice. you, you took Darby to because I took Darby to go over Jeff. I am doing terrible in my picks for this tournament. Yeah, yeah, and then you picked Darby to go over Adam Cole, which is I did fucking to get disgusting. to the to get to the main event <laughs> or the the finals. So I wonder where that leaves Darby heading into the pay per view. I mean, I think it'd be okay if Darby was left off this pay per view. He's been featured on every single one, so he, again, he doesn't have to be there every time. They could just kind of be there right like him and sting could be sitting in the rafters he doesn't have to be in a match um but i was a little surprised to see jeff win i wonder what this means for what we thought like is jeff now gonna lose to adam cole because i think you and i and everybody is in agreement that it's gonna be the hardys and the young bucks at the pay-per-view and even after this match right they had the young bucks come to stare down the hardys to close out the show 
Yeah, the, the, the entire Undisputed Elite come out on the top. And yeah, they made it look as if it was Adam Cole staring at Jeff Hardy. But what it really was, was the Bucks staring at the Hardys. So I think we're definitely getting shenanigans next week. And like I have said, I don't like the matches ending in low blows anymore. But if this match ends in a low blow, I don't care because Adam Cole should go over Jeff Hardy. I also think the Young Bucks should go over the Hardys at the pay-per-view. If they don't, that's a crying shame. Oh, yeah, I'm all for that. I'm 100% for that. Did you see the comment that Matt said? I think he said it on Twitter. He said that he and Sting were outside because they both were, you know, Sting came down with Darby, Matt Mm -hmm. came down with Jeff. They were both outside, like, talking, and he's like, we were both, like, concerned dads out there watching our kids just kill each other in the ring. They were just talking about, like, how crazy some of the shit was on the outside of the ring. (laughs) (laughs) That's pretty cool. Oh, well... That leaves us with one uh, one match left. Your number seven, my number four, or my number two. I'm surprised again. We we so we have flipped, dude. My number two is your number seven. My number seven was your number two. Whoa, this uh, this way of ranking is crazy. This, uh, yeah, you never know what's gonna happen when we rank dynamite. Anything can happen with all the sports. Anything can happen in in the <laughs> world wrestling entertainment. <laughs> And what was that match, Seth? Since it's technically you, or was it me? No, it's me. It's me. Jamie Hader taking on Tony Storm. Yeah, you just did. You just did Darby and Jeff uh, in, in another quarterfinal match. I thought this match was really strong, dude. I thought both Jamie and Tony looked excellent in the ring. Coming off the match that we had last week on Rampage, I thought this was a good follow up to that. I enjoyed the mm-hmm. fuck out of this. I thought they both looked strong. And I was not shocked to see Tony Storm win. I think I, I picked her to go over Jamie Hayter, so I finally got one right there. I think you also yeah. took Tony Storm to go over Jamie Hayter. I did, yeah, yeah. Um, so I was glad to finally get one right there. And as I mentioned last week, I do think this entire tournament is Tony's to lose. I, I feel like she's probably going to take home the Owen for the for the girls. And I just enjoyed the fuck out of this. I thought it was really well done. I did. See, I didn't state at the beginning when you uh, when you gave your um, uh, your explanation for how you rank. I thought this was a really, really strong dynamite. Um, so okay, so you had a hard time coming up with rankings because you actually enjoyed most everything on the show. That yeah. makes more sense then. Yeah. So I put I put Darby and Jeff at number eight. But I still enjoyed that thing. I still enjoyed that spot fest of a match, and it wasn't. There was nothing on this episode that I hated. Um, I didn't hate anything either. I do feel like it was it was it was above average, but it was less than great of a dynamite. Okay, um, but yeah, yeah, I like the hater. Hater seemed to be more over than Storm did, in my opinion. In this I match. think so too, yeah. and it's it's amazing to me that like Jamie Hater is really on the rise, dude. Jamie Hayter is really on the rise. Even though she lost this match, I think she is becoming a legitimate star in her own right. And it it's a little disappointing to me that we aren't going to get Jamie and Britt in this tournament because I feel like that could have been a breakout moment for Jamie Hayter to actually separate herself from Brit, become this face instead of a heel. Mm-hmm. But we are still going to get that split eventually. Like, that's still going to happen at some point. It just would have made a ton of sense to happen here. So I wish they would have set the brackets up a little bit differently to allow that to happen. Yeah, so we did get, I think it was earlier in the night, The there was a little backstage promo with 
Grit, Hater, Rebel, and Shivani. And they were they were saying that, oh, like, Hater's going to go over Storm. And then Shivani was like, well, that means you two meet in the semis, in the semifinals. Um, and Brit was if like... Brit comes, if Brit gets past the Joker, yes, on wildcard Wednesday. Yeah, and, and Brit was like, well, I'm going to get past the Joker because I am. And then they were like, oh, yeah, we'll sort out when we come to it. And then Brit side-eyed. She side-eyed Rebel and gave her a wink and was like, yeah, we'll, we'll sort that out when we come to it. What did she say? The 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 best woman will win or something like that yeah, is the exact yeah. word she used. Yeah. So they kind of teased that yeah, if we get if we if Hater wins, we're gonna get Hater versus DMD and then DMD's gonna screw her over. So I, that was that was quite juicy to be fair. I like that. I did also like how this match ended, right? Because again, there was a lot of offense here. Jamie Hayter picked up a ton of offense throughout this match. And Tony was able to counter something that Jamie Hayter was doing right into the Storm Zero and got the victory. Like, it actually, it was very quick, but it looked cool. See, I thought, I, I'm on the opposite side of the spectrum. I thought it looked it looked like a rush version of a finisher and then Oh, it did. Didn't. Absolutely it did, but it was because she countered something so fast, like it came out of nowhere. But that's fair enough. I I I personally thought it wasn't as strong as her um as her actual finisher and therefore wasn't that keen on the finish. But overall, yeah, the match had some like really good back and forth. There were some like heavy uh, heavy spots like big slams and had like top rope suplexes and DDTs onto the outside. Yeah, the Uranagi that Jamie Hader did on to the ring apron to Tony yeah. Storm. That was, dude, that looked fucking painful as hell. And like how Tony kind of like buckled over backwards, like after taking, like that was, it was a cool spot, man. There were some cool spots in this match. I enjoyed it. I really did. Yes, they, they definitely did well. And I, I didn't want to put them at number eight, even though I enjoyed the whole card. I didn't want to put them at number eight because I thought they deserved better than the last spot. You mean number seven? You put them at seven. Yeah, I put them at seven because I didn't want to put them at the bottom. <laughs> I purposely, I was like, I don't know where to rank everything, but I'm definitely not putting the girls at number eight. Yep, my number two. I like how we had two and seven flipped. That's kind of interesting. I enjoy that. I enjoy that. Uh, my star rating for this dynamite, I was thinking three and a half stars. See, I'm going. I'm going four and a half. And I was half tempted to give it a five star. Oh wow. Okay. Yeah. I was, I was okay. super compared to what we got last week, where we were met all the way through. Oh like yeah, we like had two to, stars last week. Yeah, it was it was rough last week. Yeah, and this week to bounce back with with really good segments, really strong wrestling matches. Um, yeah, this four four and a half to five stars. I'll sit at four and a half. Uh, but this was a really good dynamite. And I think we might have a good dynamite coming up this week, too. We have some some really interesting matches that are going to be taking place that could be could be exciting, especially because they're calling it Wild Card Wednesday. Both Jokers are going to be on dynamite this Wednesday. Uh, we should hopefully get, you know, maybe not necessarily some surprises, potentially if it's if it's Davy Boy Smith Jr., which would be amazing. But um, either way, like the Jokers should be a nice pop moment, especially if it's Maki Ito and Miro or whoever it ends up being. Right. Like that'd be pretty cool. Yeah. Yeah. We'll run down the card for Dynamite here after we go over Rampage, which we're going to start with now. We had six segments to rank. And because I went with my least favorite for Dynamite, you'll go with your least favorite for Rampage. What's number six for you? Number six for me is uh, Sean Spears versus Bear Boulder. That's also my number six. How about yeah. that? Because there was there was not a lot in this. Um, no, it was uh, ridiculous to see Sean Spears um, C four ball 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 Boulder. 
uh, Bear Boulder. <laughs> um, Bear Boulder. Um, but he did have to use the um, the turnbuckle in order to right. get him Right, there's no there. way he... Well, he probably could have lifted him, right? But it made more sense to do it from the from the top rope because it allowed him to get a bit more momentum to carry Bear Boulder into the center of the ring and do the C4. Um but yeah, this match was incredibly short, right? I think it was maybe two or three minutes tops. Uh, Bear Boulder didn't really have a ton of offense outside of doing a couple big splashes in the corner. Um, and then after Spears got the victory, he just beat the crap out of him with a steel chair for a few seconds. He did, yeah. And said, would you say, Wardlow, I'm coming for you. I'm trying to kill you or something. Yeah. And that was about it. So yeah, it wasn't a terrible segment, but there was just not much to it. The men had to sit at the bottom. And it really made Bear Boulder and uh, Bear Country, for that matter, look incredibly weak. Yeah. Incredibly weak. <laughs> oh, so um, that takes us to my number one from Rampage. You will be surprised. Maybe not. I have a feeling it might be your number one as well. The backstage segment between the Acclaimed and the Gun Club. Oh, see, I thought I'd put in this at number one, but then I thought you'd mock me for putting it there. So I, I purposely went with, so it's going to be sensible and put some wrestling at number one rather than stupid backstage stuff. But dude, this was fucking awesome. This was brilliant. <laughs> I enjoyed the hell out of that. Where'd you have it? Number two, three, somewhere uh, in there? So I, I put it at number three. Yeah, okay. I thought this was insanely entertaining, man. They had, they, they cut to this backstage segment with... Billy Gunn talking to Austin Colton and then the acclaimed all sitting in chairs. And he's like, guys, we're a faction now. Like, this is awesome. And he's like, but we're missing some stuff. We need to come up with a catchphrase. And uh, his sons are like, dude, we thought of one. We've got two words for you. He's like, no, 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 no. That's stupid. <laughs> and and then Max is like, how about. Yo, listen. And Billy's like, oh, that's perfect. That's awesome. He's like, but we also need like a hand gesture. And his sons are like, we've been thinking about this. We got it. We're going to put both of our hands up in the air and then we're going to bring them down and point. He's like, no, that's that's fucking dumb. And then and then Max is like, how about we just take our two fingers and we do this? He's like, yeah, let's scissor. <laughs> Dude, this was short. It was like two, two and a half minutes tops. But honestly, that made me excited for the comedy that could potentially happen here with whatever this group ends up being called. So we now have another faction, legitimate faction in AEW. Um, yeah. We'll see what they do. But yeah, Billy also said, um, it was like, I got your match. And they were like, oh, it's on Dynamite? Is it on Rampage? Is it on Double or Nothing? And he was like, no, it's on Monday night on Dark Elevation. And they, there was a pause. They all like, they all like freaked out, like yeah, yeah, yeah. Max <laughs> had to like spat his water all over Billy's crotch, and then they were all like yeah, like yeah, like dude, I'm gonna start watching Elevation now. Like, <laughs> hands in the air, like I've got another show to watch this week. Um, and I have to watch the ass claimed on Elevation. But, I right. hope they call themselves the ass claimed. It would be amazing. I really do. I really do. But yeah, that, I think that was the most entertaining thing that happened on Rampage this week. Yeah. <laughs> it was gold. It was absolute gold. Was your number five? So number five for me was the uh, we mentioned earlier was the Jade Cargill segment. And they also, my number out. five. They came out as I said, looking like the Powerpuff Girls. We got a green one, a red one, and a blue one. 
Um, <laughs> yeah, the only real cool part of this was obviously Mark Sterling coming out with his uh, neck thing his on crutch and his, and his, and his neck crutch. Brace. Yeah, absolutely. And she was like, "What's happened to you?" And then as he went to speak, she was like, "Ah, oh, sharp. We don't care." Um, but then, yeah, we did get Shivani announcing that because Hikaru Shida is injured, wink, wink. Which, which is interesting because Shida made it very apparent on Twitter that she didn't even know she was getting replaced. Well, I think from what I saw, like, she she go back, she went to see a doctor, I'm guessing, in Japan after the street fight and therefore meant that she could somehow... She wasn't couldn't... able to get back in time for the match or something is what I yeah, read. Yeah, yeah. So she, she was being replaced. So to say that you didn't realize you'd get replaced if you can't make it in time for something you're scheduled for is a bit null and void in my books. But yeah, she's definitely not injured. So I think that's... No, she's the... wrestled. She's wrestled since in Japan, I believe. Yeah, yeah. From what I understand. So it's just it's just one of them kayfabe storyline things, isn't it, that we just have to accept. But yeah, fair enough. Um, but we did get... We've got Statlander, and that's cool because I fully expect Statlander to go over Red Velvet. I don't think there's any question there. Potentially. I actually don't know. Potentially. Because of the replacement, this could lead Red Velvet to actually get the victory. I don't. I don't think. I don't think Red Velvet versus Ruby Soho is a, a prominent match to feature. I think we've just got Red Velvet there because we say she's like number five in the rankings. Number five or number somewhere in there. Yeah, we talked about. Yeah, yeah she's somewhere so in the rankings. She's just there for the sake of being there. To be honest, I think. I think Statlander Soho makes a much better semifinals match than uh, Soho. I agree. Did Statlander actually, I don't even think she competed in a qualifying match, did she? No, I'm not sure she did, to be fair. I think it would have made more sense to give the replacement to somebody that didn't qualify. Did she have a match? I don't think she did. I don't think she did either, because I don't remember her losing in an Owen Hart qualifying match. No, no, I can't think of it either. Yeah, nice to see her come out, be featured, you know, outside of just Elevation and Dark where she's been being featured for the past few weeks where we heard her new theme. Like, I think that might have been the first time we've even heard her new theme on actual TV, which is kind of cool. Yeah, I didn't pick up that she had a new theme, to be honest. She does, yeah. She has, like, a darker version of her theme because she's a darker version of herself now. She's not nearly as colorful as she was, you know, she's dyed her hair a bit, um, changed her face makeup a bit, and we thought, like, kind of morphing into a heel almost, but potentially not. I don't know. Yeah. Especially now that she's going against Red Velvet. Yeah, yeah, that would definitely make her a face in that situation. But. So we'll have to see what happens. We'll have that match uh, next Friday on Rampage. So should be should be interesting. My number two from this rampage was actually the main event, the TNT title match between Scorpio Sky and Frankie Kazarian. I had this uh, number one, Ryan. Number one. Okay. This was a really, really good match. Obviously, my top ranked match from Rampage. I did have that quick, silly backstage segment at number one. But yeah, this was, I think, the best match we saw on Rampage this week. It was super competitive. Mm-hmm. The crowd was behind both guys, like, from the moment this match started, like, I feel like they both were equally as over. And the storyline that they've been telling over the past few weeks with, you know, Scorpio and Frankie kind of doing, like, their SCU stuff, 
a little bit, potentially teasing Scorpio Sky, leaving American Top Team, leaving uh, Ethan Page behind, leaving Dan Lambert behind. Um, I thought the storytelling in this match was really well done. Yeah, I think they they got me hook, line, and sinker with this one. Um, and I think, to be fair, I think they got both both of us because we, as you said, oh, I think they got a lot of people. I think they got a lot of people with this. Yeah, we were speculating last week and weeks before that. Um, but yeah, I didn't, I did not see that end coming. Yeah, so after a super competitive match, a decently long match, it wasn't. I, well, I guess it wasn't long, but I think it got the most time of of anything else on Rampage. Um, we got to the point where. You know, Scorpio was kind of laid out, right? Like he was not unconscious, more or less, but he was not paying attention to everything that was going on. And Dan Lambert and Ethan Page kind of made their way down to the ring. Dan Lambert distracting the referee. Ethan Page running in there and hitting Kazarian in the back of the head with the TNT title, which caused Scorpio Sky to fall on top of Kazarian to get the victory. Mm-hmm. And then after the match, they tease like, you know, Scorpio's like, what, you guys came down and, and hit him? Like, you caused interference? What's going on? And Ethan's on the mic. He's like, yeah, I hit him. I did this for the team. And he was super passionate as he has been the past few weeks on the mic Mm -hmm. on fire, basically, which was nice to hear again. And then he's like, you need to pick a side basically. And then Scorpio sky blasts Kazarian in the face with the TNT title again. Yeah. And they played off like it had all been a ruse. Um, It it worked really well. Um, It did work really well. Yeah. I do have a real soft spot for Kaz. Um, He's like a TNA original. And they have, you know, my soft spot for those guys. He was actually back in TNA this past Thursday. Was he actually? Yeah, he, they taped their one show or whatever, and he wrestled there. Mm-hmm. Oh, wow. Okay, let's just stop the podcast. I'm going to watch TNA. Um, I don't know if it up. was the one that was live on Thursday, but I know he was there for yeah. something, and he did have a match. Yeah, I forget exact because I don't watch Impact that often anymore, um, but I did see a report that he was returning to Impact for this show, whatever, for whatever reason. Okay, fair, fair. So you, you um, might get a kick out of that. And they I'll also had um, they had Sammy Guevara and Ty Conti sitting ringside with their AAA mixed tag titles. Yeah, that, that, that I'm going to gloss over because I didn't care, didn't care about them. Um, what I didn't, uh, what I wanted to see from Kaz is I wanted a nice luck to pass it, if I'm honest. And it's a shame we didn't get one. Yeah, yeah, we did not get that. We did have Dan Lambert calling Ty Conti Horhausen. We did, yeah. I've I've got that scribbled on my notes, and because it came at the very end, it's very bigly scribbled, very largely scribbled on my notes. Horhausen. Um, I guess a lot of people were upset about that. Oh, yeah, actually, yeah. Yeah, because basically all he does now is is run down Ty Conti. Um, so there were some people that took offense to him calling her that. Uh, I thought it was entertaining for entertainment purposes obviously i know he didn't mean it but for the for the storyline purposes i thought it was kind of entertaining um but that did because scorpio sky did hit kazarian with the tnt title belt uh sammy and ty came in to sort of like even the odds i guess make it a bit more even so that was how rampage went off the air yeah and I uh, just I'll, I'll hold my hands up. I didn't I didn't notice it until you said it. But yeah, they are, uh, especially with the uh, Scorpio side saying that Ty had been passed around the back like a few weeks ago. But yeah, they do seem to be um, 
just calling her a whore a lot, do they? Then maybe that isn't the greatest thing. Yeah, I can see how that offends people, and yeah, it's not it's not the greatest thing. Maybe let's no, it's not it's material. not the it's not the best look. Again, I thought it was an entertaining mix between you know calling things Housen because of Dan Housen, right? We have Hookhausen, yeah. so he called her Whorehausen. I thought that was entertaining, but I do think Dan Lambert needs a bit more material when talking about the girls. Because he also kind of yeah. did the same stuff with Brandy. He did, yeah, yeah. He just called her a whore, yeah. Pretty much. Mm, not good, not good. Okay. <laughs> Two left. My number three and four. What do you got next for us, or is it me? I'm not sure which way we're going, and I've just dropped my pen, so I can't scribble out on my list. Um... I think I went with that because I said that was my number two and you said it was your number one. So you would go to whatever you have lowest at this point. Okay, yeah. So number four for me is uh, Ruby and Riho. That was my number four too. Yeah, I think this this was all right. It was definitely wasn't um, Ruby's strongest match. So our six, five, four, and three were identical for this rampage. Yeah, so it's just our one and two were out of place. Yep, and you even said you wanted to put the other one at number one. You just thought I'd make fun of you. So pretty much our rampage was identical. Yeah, yeah. If I if I'd have uh, put the ass claimed at number one, then yeah, we'd be sat here with a, a perfect match. Yep, which has never happened still though. So unfortunate. But yeah, this was a this was a good match. I I didn't hate it. No, no, I did, I did like that. Um, Riho had her fingers in her ear when um, in her ears. I thought so that was everything. so entertaining. She's like, <laughs> yeah, "No, nah, I don't want to hear this music. I don't like this kind of stuff." Just didn't like it at all. Um, but yeah, it, it, was, it was a fairly strong match. It was, it was all right. I'm glad Soho won. That means I am. I think I'm a hundred for a hundred. I'm three for three now on my predictions. See if I can get was around. was the crowd chanting Riho sucks. Don't think so. Because I feel like there was a let's go Riho, Riho sucks chant. It didn't take off, like, it wasn't super loud, but I feel like there was at least a portion of the crowd that was trying to get that going. Okay. And I'll tell you, man, Riho does not suck. No, no, she's definitely um, lighter and nimble, and her moves don't look as kind of like Red Velvet, like, her moves don't look like they've got a lot of force behind them. But yeah, she doesn't suck. Um, and that's not generally the chant we give to people who aren't uh, acting heels. Right. Yeah, that's going against the brain. Right. But Ruby definitely looked stronger in this match than Riho did, which you've been talking about for weeks, how fluid mm-hmm. and smooth Ruby looks in the ring. She definitely has been picking up steam. Um was really nice to see. I, I enjoyed the hell out of this match, man. I did. Um, there was just one awkward spot that I thought was, well, for lack of a better word, awkward. When Ruby got launched into the corner and then Riho kind of took her time running towards Ruby. So Ruby was just standing there in the corner, like waiting for her to come before she slingshotted over her. I thought there was a little bit of a disconnect there. Yes, that definitely was a little awkward, uh, a little awkward moment there. We did get a little bit of a pause. But it's interesting to note now with Riho out of the tournament, with Hikaru Shida being replaced, our Japanese representation is no more. <laughs> Unless Maki Ito comes in and beats Brett Baker. That's that's not going to happen. Um, yeah, I, I understand that there's no more Japanese representation, but when you knock it down to eight people, and then you knock it from eight people to four people, there's only so much representation you can have. And it's not as if I'm, I'm strongly against, um, like, what would it be? Like, having one person from different representation in there for the sake of having them there. 
I'd rather we had the four best wrestlers in there than having a Japanese wrestler and a Canadian, a Canadian wrestler, wrestler, an American, American wrestler, yeah, exactly, and a UK wrestler, just for the sake of having all four nation, yeah, four nations in there rather than the best of the best that we've got. So. Especially because, like you said, uh, Tony Storm is representing the Storm family. James Storm yeah. and Lance Storm, technically Canadian anyway. <laughs> yeah, so come come from Australia via Texas uh, by way of Canada. Yeah. <laughs> That's a whole storm in a big cup, isn't it? Yeah. Entertaining. I also thought the, um, the half Boston Crab that Riho locked on to Ruby Soho was super impressive looking especially how she like braced it back and was able to go all the way like that was really cool looking yeah yeah it did look quite painful but with since you mentioned it earlier ruby did get the victory here uh that sets her up to take on chris statlander in the semifinals yeah and that's that's not a bad bad semifinals to be fair tony storm um tony storm dmd jamie no uh ruby soho chris statlander i always don't think statlander's gonna win it coming in that side from the outside but not i wonder cool. if that means i wonder if that means they're setting up tony and ruby for the finals especially because they were a tag team against Britt and jamie hater I, I think we're more likely getting dmd ruby because they don't like, want that again i really don't want that for a third time but hasn't dmd beat ruby twice 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 yeah so that so there you go like every time ruby's every time they face off against each other dmd's won like this time ruby's gonna win i, think, I, I think guess the there's a like yeah there is a story the there there is a story there for sure i just want to see something different i like seeing new things yeah. But we'll have to see what they do. We should know after this coming up week. At least one half of it anyway. Maybe both halves. I don't know. Seems like they are trying to cram all of these in because we are, as of time of recording, two weeks away from the pay-per-view. So they do need to get through the rest of these quarterfinals and the semifinals to set up the finals for the pay-per-view. So that's pretty much all we're going to be focusing on is the Owen Hart tournament matches here for the next week or so. But that's okay. There's been some entertaining matches out of this tournament. I've liked it. Yeah, I thought it's been big, good. Uh, uh, Pro Jeff. Pro Jeff in the Discord. He's been bringing up how much fun he's been having in this tournament. Um, yeah. Things he's bringing to the table. And yeah, I, I like when the when we were getting the, the qualifying matches, it did seem like a lot of the matches were just thrown together even though we've got some really good ones. Um, now that we're actually into the brackets, everything feels like it's got a storyline in a place and everything like we'll see. Um, Jay Lethal and Satnam Singh were going off on Samoa Joe on one of the two shows. It definitely does feel like Joe's going to lose his match because Jay Lethal's going to cost him. And they're like, they're, so there's a storyline um, branching off from that qualifying, from that match there. And then, right. yeah, we're going to get storylines across all of the tournament. And that's, that's pretty cool to see, to be fair. Yeah. Jeff is a, a big fan of women's wrestling, I believe. Yeah. He said he's been, he's been watching a lot of stardom lately, too. Okay, fair enough. Maybe you can be a stardom correspondent. Stardom correspondent Good. in the field. Let us know what's going on over there. <laughs> yeah, going on there up, up in the stars. In the AEW Galaxy, yeah. Oh, yeah, that was entertaining when they when the Jericho Appreciation Society called him the AEW Galaxy instead of the WWE Universe. I thought that was fucking hilarious. Yeah. That was entertaining. That was entertaining. But that takes us to the last match on Rampage, my number three. Also, your number three, correct? Number two. Oh, so I guess we weren't that close. I thought, hmm. Oh, you had the Danhausen or the ass claim thing at number three, I guess. Yeah, so if I'd have put it at number one, then... Uh... The sky and score, the sky and um, 
Sky and Kaz would have gone down to number two. Death Triangle would have gone down to number three. Okay, so we had two things off for Rampage. Not not nearly as oh, close okay. as I thought, but that's okay. Uh, my number three, your number two, was Death Triangle taking on The Butcher, The Blade, and Mark Quinn, which was a fairly entertaining way to kick off Rampage. Yeah, it was, it was high speed. Um, Mark, Mark Quinn really shined in this match, to be fair. He, got he a good did. Offense. Yeah, Mark Quinn. He also looks a bit different too, right? With his like blonde beard and his blonde hair, he looked a bit different this week. Mm-hmm. Yeah, he definitely did well when Ray, uh, he was in. He was in the ring with Ray Phoenix, and so that's another one. Him and Dante Martin, and Ray Phoenix, and so you build this little like uh, six man, twelve man ladder match or some. What they what they have in TNA? The Asylum match. The <laughs> Asylum, yeah. And he did a, Mark Quinn did a beautiful 450 too. He did a beautiful 450 during this match. He did, yeah, yeah. It was very nice. Uh, the Butcher also looked incredible in this match. I feel like he looks in better shape every time we see him. Mm-hmm. Like, yeah, yeah. like every time he comes out, he looks more cut, looks more lean. Um, he's definitely the standout between that tag team, the Butcher and the Blade. He's definitely the standout there. Yeah, who did get the uh, Jericho Sports Entertainer of the, of the Week Award, didn't they? They did, yeah. The Butcher and the Blade, they kind of quickly glossed over that on commentary. <laughs> um, this was, as expected, a, a pretty fast-paced match. Uh, Death Triangle were fucking flying all over the place. I loved the spot where Phoenix and Penta both like shot over the top rope onto the Butcher and the Blade on the outside which led to Pac setting up Mark Quinn for the uh, Black Arrow, which was picture perfect this week. I'm sure you you had, you had were fucking hard watching that, I'm sure. That's what made my nipples erect, yes. Yeah, you, you were Dax hard dude at that point. <laughs> yes, I was. <laughs> uh, but we also got a tease after this match ended because, of course, Death Triangle weren't going to lose. We did get a tease that they're setting up them v the House of Black for potentially the pay-per-view. Yeah, so the uh, the lights went down, the lights came up, the House of Black were there, and the lights went down, and they came back up pretty quickly, which meant the house of, the uh, the address for the House of Black is uh, underneath the Under AW the ring? ring. Yeah, Under yeah. the ring. <laughs> So how do they, my question is like, were they under there the entire night? See, I think because it was like the first match, then maybe, maybe they've been under there a while. Um, I wonder, I wonder if like to keep them hidden from the crowd, they just had like, you know, when you see like bellboys in the hotel and they take the like, they wheel the trolley down. So maybe they've got like a, a trolley with a curtain and they sort of like wheel it down to the ring and then the people sort of like climb under the ring and then they take the trolley back and no one knows. I've always wondered how they do that because I've always wondered, like, do they just stay under the ring the entire night? Because there can't be trap doors. Like, there's no way all these arenas have no, trap no. doors. No, see, yeah, I don't well, once for maybe like night vision goggles, but that's a bit impractical. I don't I'd like quite like, I'd quite <laughs> like to see goggles crawling down off the side by so no one sees them. <laughs> yeah, yeah, I'd quite like to see like the lights go down and then they come back on and you just see like. Malachi Black like tripping over a couple of wires down the ramp because he couldn't see where he was going, <laughs> and it completely fucks the spot. <laughs> but yeah, I, I think they do hide under the ring. Whether they get um, ferried to and from the ring um, in some sort of device that hides them from the crowd, we'll never know. But, it's yeah. surprising that that hasn't been talked about more, like how they pull that off. 
we'll have to research it. Yeah, if anyone knows, know. let because us know. because those lights did go up and down really fast and they disappeared. Like yeah, they didn't yeah. have time to. They could not have had time to sprint to the back. There's no way. No, no. Unless because Rampage was taped, the lights were out longer for the live crowd. Yeah, fair enough. They could have made it look quicker on TV, but they could have given them enough time to get to the back for the live crowd. I don't know. I don't know. I wish I could be at one of these shows where it happens, so that way I could kind of, like, try to figure it out myself. Yeah, yeah. Like, when the lights go out, you put your detective, uh, your Sherlock Holmes hat on and get your magnifying No, I, I, put, I put my night vision goggles on. I try to see what's yeah. going on. <laughs> <laughs> We need the uh, we need the fireflies to return so that way we can see in the dark. Yes, because <laughs> remember every time Bray would come out, everybody would put their flashlights on their phone. How fucking bright those arenas were, even though the lights were out. We need that yeah, to come back. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> uh, this was a good match, though. A fun way to kick off di- uh, Rampage, and honestly, a a pretty fun Rampage. I think if I was rating this one out of five stars, as we always do, I would go four stars for Rampage. I would. Yeah, see, I bring up the one spot that we forgot to talk about in the um, Sky and Kaz match when Sky was on the outside by the ropes and Kaz, like, yanked the ropes to pull him back in and he did that huge cutter. Dude, um, that was Sky cool got as the shit. Real air. <laughs> that was cool as shit. It was. That was a massive air. That was, that was a cool cutter. Um, yeah, I just wanted to bring that up before it disappeared into Difa. But yeah, I'm happy with four stars for this show. It was pretty solid. All right. We are in agreement then. Four stars for Rampage. I like it. I like it a lot. Let's uh, let's take a look at what's happening this coming up week on Dynamite and Rampage before we get to our burial ground and theme song of the week. So they are calling Dynamite this Wednesday Wild Card Wednesday because we have both Britt Baker taking on the Joker in a quarterfinal match of the Owen Hart Tournament and Samoa Joe taking on a Joker in a quarterfinal match of the Owen Hart Tournament. We also have a semifinal match in the tournament between Ray Phoenix and Kyle O'Reilly. We have another semifinal match between Adam Cole and Jeff Hardy. We have... um, Wardlow taking his 10 lashes from MJF. We have that face-to-face confrontation between Chris Jericho and William Regal. And we have Hangman Adam Page taking on Konosuke Takashita, which should be a hell of a match. Yeah, and uh, props to Konosuke actually getting a match with Hangman so quickly. Um, I think that will elevate his star power fast. Um, I agree. And it makes me wonder if he is sticking around more because we're seeing him more often. I like it. I like it a lot. Yeah, yeah. There's some there's some potential to be some really good um really good matches. I just hope Kyle O'Reilly can do better with Ray Phoenix than he did with his match against Jungle Boy a few weeks ago. Oh yeah, that match was kind of slow and not nearly as entertaining. Obviously, Ray Phoenix is is a bit quicker and more high-flying than Jungle Boy is, so I imagine the match will be more exciting just out of that aspect alone. But, I mean, Ray Phoenix is probably going to win regardless. At least he should. Oh, yeah, I, I 100% expect Ray Phoenix to win. I just don't want it to be a, um, a like, a, a Kyle O'Reilly grounding Ray Phoenix the entire match. I want it to be a high-paced, high-flying match. Yep, so, me too. That's what I'm hoping for. And then for Rampage, we just have one match confirmed so far. Another semifinal match in the Women's Owen Hart Tournament. We have Red Velvet taking on Chris Statlander, as we've talked about before. So, yep, decent looking uh, looking week coming up for AEW. But 
Let's hit the gong because it's time to go to the burial ground. And who did you send up and down last week? I don't even remember. <laughs> uh, Ruby went up, Jeff Hardy went down. That's right. That's right. So going down this week for me is Bear Boulder, but more specifically Bear yes. Country. Yes, yes. Now, in the, before we started recording, um, Brian said he hadn't picked who he wanted for the burial ground. And I kind of told him that the uh, the name was in the clue was in the name, and it's there. It's the bear real ground. <laughs> I didn't even catch on to that. I didn't even catch on to that. So I'm glad that I still went with what you were alluding to there. Um, yeah, like I said when we talked about that match on Rampage, this match between he and Sean Spears just made Bear Boulder look incredibly weak and at the same time makes Bear Country look incredibly weak. Whereas both of these guys are, you know, they've got some pounds on them. They've got some beef to them. They've got some size to them. You would think they would be a bit more intimidating, a bit more imposing. And he looked like a joke against Sean Spears, who has looked like a joke for so long that I don't know, man, it it makes them look incredibly weak. It really does. So. I'm going to send Bear Boulder, potentially both of Bear Country, to the burial ground this week. And coming up from the burial ground, I'm going with Jamie Hayter. Cool. I like it. So, uh, yeah, we need to we need to get a list of uh, who's come up and who's gone down. But I think at this point, we might be putting more women up than we are. More, more women are going up and more men are going down. I think that might be the case. But I'm really looking forward to the potential of Jamie Hayter's popularity and rise in AEW because for a bit there she was overlooked you know she was just the second hand to Britt Baker Mm -hmm. but now with this storyline I do feel like they are especially because as you alluded to in that backstage segment right like there's clearly something brewing there and when that split finally comes Jamie's gonna be a pretty massive face yeah I'm looking forward to seeing that I really am definitely so that's my burial ground this week I like it I like it, too. And I think, unfortunately, that's going to bring us to the close of the show this week, unless you have anything else you want to mention before we get on out of here. No, I think we've got everything, Brian. All right, let's do it. We want to thank you for sticking with us and listening to another episode of Blood and Destroyers, an all-elite wrestling podcast made possible, of course, by RPGera.com. If you want to help us and grow the show, subscribe and spread the word. Details on ways to do just that can be found in the show notes on whichever podcast app you've chosen to listen to us on. And remember, in those show notes will be a link to our Discord server. Click it, join it, and interact with us. As usual, taking us out of the show this week is going to be theme song of the week. Last week, I went with Deanna Perrazzo. Sev, the honor is yours this week. What are we going with for theme song of the week? So, you all know I love Hook. So, now by that extension... A friend of my friend is my friend. The enemy of my enemy is my... Yeah, basically, because I love Hook, I now have to love Dan Heisen. So this week, Team Song of the Week, is going to be Dan Heisen. I love it, dude. The Titan Tron is basically just like a hypnotizing black and white circle with Dan Heisen's <laughs> face on it, flashing very nice, very evil. There are some lyrics to this song, too. This is a pretty cool entrance theme. Yeah. It's called The Dan Heisen Show. We're going to close out with Dan Heisen's theme... Now hit the music.